And that's why when we're giving our testimony, we often say that to be a Christian is better felt than telt. You can't put it into words what it means to be born again of the Spirit and living in the joy and the liberty of God's salvation. This comes down to the thrill of being a Christian. And by expressing our testimony and telling forth the wonder of it, we bring forth our praise to the Lord and show forth and declare, we publish the greatness of the Lord. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And today we're letting the Bible speak on the marvelous light of the gospel and all the power of that word to bring you to faith in the Lord Jesus. Our message today is on Second, uh, sorry, First Peter chapter 2 on coming to the light. We invite you to stay with us as we come to that message. First today we have, why become a Christian? Because to be lost is to be lost forever. The reasons for this are many. This fact that the lost soul is hopelessly doomed was taught by the Lord Jesus himself when he spoke about the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. Lazarus went to heaven while the rich man lost his soul in hell. He opened his eyes in torment. Part of that torment was his power to remember things as they were before. He remembered his five brothers and wanted someone to warm them lest they too should end up in the place of torment. It is best for us to read through the record in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Then we will have the facts of the Lord's teaching before us. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was led at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abram, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. We must note right away that the afterlife for the certain rich man was torment. He continued to exist in a place that was offered only a painful existence. There was no rest there, neither for the body, nor the mind, nor his soul. 
In the rich man's effort to warn his five brothers, he wanted a messenger to go to them. But that was denied, for there was a great gulf between the abode of the rich man and the former world. None could pass over, as it was a great gulf fixed. That is the Bible's consistent position regarding the lost condition of the unsaved soul. That soul is eternally lost and can never find a way to escape. There is not a word in any passage in all of the Bible that would give a man a thread of hope that there will be a release date for souls in hell. The doctrine stated in this narrative as a fact also has sound biblical basis. Let's dwell upon three of them. Firstly, the nature of sin tells us that hell is forever. The nature of God tells us hell is forever. And the nature of God's way of granting mercy tells us that any man in hell will be there forever. The Bible is very clear about the doctrine of sin, that it is the transgression of the law of God. Summed up in the Ten Commandments, the law of God is God's fixed rule of life. To break them brings about the wages of sin, which is death. And while man is in hell, separated from God, there is no possibility of repayment of the law. The judge's hammer has fallen, guilt has been pronounced, and the sinner is taken away. The Bible is also clear about the nature of God. He is holy. His holiness permeates every aspect of God's nature. His works, His name, His purposes are all holy. His word is holy, for it is the expression of that divine mind that is perfect. While sin remains and God remains, holiness remains, and there can be no hope for the soul that dies in sin. This brings us to the urgent need of mercy in this life. Before death should strike the sinner, let him run to the grace of the Lord Jesus. Before you cross over that great gulf that is fixed, get to the cross. Have your sins forgiven. Before you stand before the great white throne, to have your sins judged by the judge of all the earth, have your record sheet made white by the blood of the Lord Jesus. This is the only way to escape hell, here and now, for salvation is for today. Now is the accepted time. So come, go to the cross while there is mercy. And now we continue our message today on Second Peter, coming to the light. May the Lord bless you through his word today. He's born into this world a child of the devil, in the darkness, in the realm of spiritual darkness. And... I include superstition here. I talked about Satan and superstition because that's the tool that Satan uses. Now, what is superstition? It has been defined as irrational belief, usually founded on ignorance or fear. But it is a belief system. And you will know that it has no foundation, but people believe it. Oh boy, do they ever believe it. Hook, line, and sinker, they accept the bait and all of it. And so superstition is Satan's tool to hold men in darkness. And they believe 
really what is superstition? Natural religion, evolution if you will, that something came from nothing. I once was a tadpole beginning to begin, uh, that I evolved from the lower species to the higher. This is natural religion, and it's generally believed because this is the tool of Satan to hold men in darkness. False religion. Why does the devil promote false religion? Because it keeps people in the darkness. Humanism. This pumping up of man is his own God. He can define things for himself. Now, Paul calls them doctrines of devils. 1 Timothy 4.1. They're doctrines of devils. All of these things. And they are the tools by which Satan keeps souls in the darkness. And the gospel is to recover men out of the darkness into the light of the Lord. That's why Christ came into the world. He's the light of the world. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he came to build his church, to call out of people out of darkness into the light and the knowledge of the true God and to give them hope of eternal life. This is the great thing about being in Christ. You are now free from Satan's grip. You've been set free. You've been delivered from being his captive and all the tools of superstition you have come to the light. And the union, the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus makes you a child of light. And so it's marvelous light. Marvelous light. And by rehearsing and telling forth what the Lord Jesus has done for your soul, it brings praise to the excellency and the glory of God. One more thing. It's marvelous light because we enjoy the light of a clear conscience. A clear conscience. How much is that worth? What would people give in dollars that they might have a clear, happy, clean conscience? Guilt is the slave master of men's consciences. Now, the conscience, of course, is the inner preacher of the soul. You don't need me to have a guilty conscience. Men come under the awful power of guilt because everyone is created in God's image with a conscience, this built-in uh, barometer of good versus evil, the right versus the wrong, what is of God and what is of darkness. In Romans 2.15, Paul said, This shows the work of the law written in their heart, their conscience, also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. That accuser of your bosom. And you and I know what it was like to be living under the awful power of conviction when the conscience condemned us. There are long-term criminals who escape 
arrest, conviction by the authorities of this world, and perhaps 10, 20 years later, they walk in the door of a police station and they confess to the crime that they have committed. They can't live anymore with the guilt. They would rather face the law and somehow, this is their desire to get it behind them. That's the power of a guilty, a troubled conscience. And of course, there are many who resort to suicide. They become so troubled. This is why many criminals behind bars, they have to be uh, watched day and night because the, the first opportunity they get, they will commit suicide. That's the power of conscience and its darkness holds people in spiritual terror and they can't free themselves. There used to be a great gospel preacher called Gypsy Smith and he told a story about a little gypsy boy. This is many years ago and this little boy found a nest of eggs, hen eggs, chicken eggs, and because the nest was not in the farmer's yard but out somewhere in the border of uh, the farm property, uh, he at first reasoned with himself, well, even though the chicken belongs to the farmer, the eggs were laid here so I can have these eggs for free. And so he decided to steal the eggs. And he just took the eggs and loaded them into his trouser pockets, and he was going to walk off and walk home with his trousers filled with these eggs. On his way home, he was walking over a plowed rough field. And when he was in the middle of the field, he heard a shout. And of course, he thought someone had caught him out. And he began to run. And running over the rough field, he fell. And of course, dear help the eggs. They were gunners. And he thought he was caught. But the man who shouted was just shouting to someone else. Didn't even see the boy at all. It was his conscience that caught him out. That is the terror of conscience. And that's how God has created us. And the Lord Jesus has come into this world to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all iniquity and set us free from the, the terror of a guilty conscience. It's marvelous light. And when you were saved, when you were put under the blood of Christ and justified, declared innocent of all charges, righteous in God's sight, justified by faith through the blood of Jesus. Oh, what a peace of conscience floods your soul. And tonight you have that light, and marvelous, marvelous light it is. Now, what are we to do with this? In 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul said, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, without ceasing. I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Well, he worshiped God, and he was a man of prayer. You see, the guilty soul will not pray. You need to have a clean conscience to be a man or woman of prayer. And to live in fellowship 
with God. How much is a clean conscience worth tonight to you? You should give the praise of your heart to the wonder of this amazing power of the gospel to pardon, forgive, and set you free. Now, it's marvelous because we enjoy the ongoing marvel of gospel light. I want to here define what marvelous means. When we talk about something being marvelous in its nature, it means it's beyond our comprehension. You can't totally define it. And that's why when we're giving our testimony, we often say that to be a Christian, it's better felt than telt. You can't put it into words what it means to be born again of the Spirit and living in the joy and the liberty of God's salvation. This comes down to the thrill of being a Christian. And by expressing our testimony and telling forth the wonder of it, we bring forth our praise to the Lord and show forth and declare we publish the greatness of the Lord. Now, tonight we need to enjoy it. I think there are some people in this world and they've just got enough religion to make them miserable. They've only got enough of the gospel to get them somewhat serious, but they never enter into the blessedness of sins forgiven. There is a type of gospel preaching that's all about making men sort of chaff under the guilt of sin. The gospel is to set us free. The gospel is to bring us to be at peace with God and to live in happy, happy fellowship with Him. That's why the Bible talks so much about the new song. Psalm 40, the psalmist who was brought out of the pit of the miry clay, he said, the Lord delivered me, brought me out of that pit, and put a new song in my mouth. And you read of that new song in the book of Revelation in heaven. Why is it a new song? Because it's never old. It's never old. And our conversion, our salvation, never wears old. It's new every day. It's as exciting tonight as the hour you were saved as a newborn Christian. Or at least that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. But sometimes we fall into a rut. We fall into some, what we might call, a mature attitude, where we don't make the things of Christ too exciting, too thrilling. We don't express ourselves just as uh, flamboyantly anymore. We choose our words very, very carefully. We make it a serious matter. And in one way it is. It's a very serious matter. But it's also a joyful matter. And that's why Paul talked about uh, offering our, our praises with hymns and songs and uh, with joy unto the Lord. Now I wonder tonight, do you have this joy of the Lord? Are you walking in this marvelous light? this new life in Christ Jesus. Now, when we think of this light, we also have to rejoice. It's marvelous light because it's just a foretaste of the wonderful light we have in the future. Heaven is a land of light. No darkness there. No darkness. And none of those ugly things that we've talked about, guilt, a bad conscience, none of those... Uh, things that grieve and hurt and depress. 
In heaven, it will be all light. It will be all joy. There will be day and night fellowship with God. And so the child of God will walk in the light and bask in the light, worship in the light. And this is our boast and our testimony. The child of God enjoys light in his soul. And even as we face the end of this world and look right down into the barrel of death, what do we see at the other end? We see light. D. L. Moody, when he was dying, he said, as he was approaching death, earth is receding. Heaven is approaching. God is calling. There was light in the valley for him. And of course, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it goes on to talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's still light there, even in death. And as you and I are called to go through that, what many call the dark valley of death, there will be gospel light for our souls, even in that hour. I also thought about the hymn of Arthur uh, Bliss. Through the valley of the shadow I must go, where the cold waves of Jordan roll. But the promise of my shepherd I shall know by the rod and staff to my soul. Even now, down the valley as I glide, I can hear my Savior say, follow me. And with him I'm not afraid to cross the tide. There's a light in the valley for me. And then the refrain goes on, there's a light in the valley, there's a light in the valley, there's a light in the valley for me, and no evil will I fear while my shepherd is so near. There's a light in the valley for me. And so Peter could truly call this Christian experience, this new birth, this new life in Christ, that we've been brought out of darkness into this marvelous light. And you and I can show forth the excellencies, the perfections, the wonder of our God by living in the comfort, in the joy, and the assurance of the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus. Here's a little clip from Ira Sankey's biography. He says, some years ago I was in the dark a young lady of London told me and was seeking the Lord day and night, but I could get no rest or peace for my soul. For two or three weeks, the title of There's a Light in the Valley kept ringing through my ears. I had never carefully read through the hymn, but in my constant pleading with the Lord, I always begged for this light of the valley to be given to me. And one night, Christ gave the light. I'd been asking for. I cannot describe my joy when I could say there is a light in the valley for me. I scarcely slept that night, for the words would come to me again and again. It is now my privilege sometimes to help sing them for others, and then they seem to be a fresh wave of my Savior's love to me, as they did on that blessed night. Sometimes God allows his children to taste the darkness, but he does want us to enjoy the light, to walk in it, and praise him for it. 
that we may show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I never got to the call. If you're a Christian tonight, you know the call of the gospel in your life. You know how you were drawn by the power of God's mighty grace to come as a sinner to Jesus, confess your sins and trust in him and enter into the light of the gospel. You know what happened. You know your testimony. If you're here tonight and you don't have a testimony and perhaps you're still in the darkness and life is miserable for you, maybe you're even staring at times thinking about committing suicide. Let me tell you, it's not unusual in our society. Suicide is a major issue. And if you don't have Christ tonight, there's darkness for you. If you don't have the gospel, you are miserable. You have no answers and no hope and no way out. And if you reject God's Son, which is the way out, you reject Him. Turn your back to Him. and Go on without the Savior in your life. You'll continue in the darkness, under Satan's grip, superstition, a troubled conscience, no joy. That's the state of this world. That's why people want drugs. That's why they want alcohol. They want an escape. Sometimes it's prescription drugs, too. They'll go to the doctor, I'm depressed. I need something for my depression. And they get more drugs. Sometimes that's a, a real clinical issue. But many, many times it's a guilt issue. And I just wonder about your heart tonight. I wonder about your soul. Are you living out of fellowship with God? And it's driving you miserable. You need the call of the gospel. Called into his marvelous light. Let me tell you, I would never have found this light on my own. I would have gone on blind, stumbling in the darkness. I'd never have found this light if the Lord had not called me. That's his grace and his mercy. And let me tell you that he's calling you. And you're here in a gospel church. You're here with a Bible preaching. And you're being called. You're being invited. But if you say no and go another way, you'll continue in the darkness. You'll never know the, the thrill of this marvelous, expansive, unending, eternal light that is the portion of the true child of God. So I bid you tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, if you have no such testimony, that you come to the Savior immediately. Give him your heart. Trust him. What a, what a joy is waiting you. What a joy. May the Lord in grace speak to your heart tonight. Again, thank you for listening to our broadcast here today. If you'd like to hear this program again, or if you would like information about our programming schedules across Canada on various stations, and if you would like the information on how to donate and support this ministry, go to our website, ltbs.ca. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you, as again we let the Bible speak. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services, 
that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.